You are listening to the Hope Fellowship Church Podcast. To find more information about our church and ministries, check out our website at hopeandanderson.com. Now, this week's teaching. Good morning. My name is Danielle Holton, and my family and I have been coming to Hope for the past five years now. Um, I just want to put a little plug in. I'm one of the co-leaders of the Women's Bible Study here. We meet from 9 to 11 uh, Tuesday mornings, and it's starting back up after a little break for the summer. So this Tuesday, 9 to 11, we do meet in the next-gen house, so we would love to have you come out. We do have childcare as well. So um, if you could all please stand for today's reading. <clears throat> Our passage today is Jonah 3.10 through 4.5. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, For it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. It's great to see all of you. So glad that you are here Grab your Bibles and devices as Daniel just read to us today. We're back in the book of Jonah, and Nathan did an amazing job last week as he talked from the, uh, the, the point of fasting and prayer, an amazing job as well. So today, the second or the next to the last uh, part of our series next week, we finish it all up with you, and so we're excited about that as well. But today, a rather long title, a rather long subject. You say, Mark, does that mean a very long sermon? Well, you know, I mean, I don't know what that means, but anyway, we're here, so that's good. What will you do with what you discovered about yourself in the gut of the great fish? I want to read to you one more time. What will you do with what you discovered about yourself in the gut of the great fish? And so as we heard Daniel read this text to us this morning, Go back just for a minute and give you some background if you're new with us today. That Jonah is a prophet of God. He's been called by God to go to this city of Nineveh, one of the largest, if not the largest city, and the most evil city on the face of the earth. And they are Syrian, so they are the arch enemies of Israel. And so he's called by God to go preach to them the gospel, basically, is what it is. Because he says that their evil has come up before me, God says. So he said, go to them and tell them and give them this message. And so we know Jonah being this amazing uh, prophet that he is. What does he do? He says no to God, right? He says no and he runs. And so he runs and he goes down to this port city of Joppa. He finds ships there going either to Nineveh, which God, he is called to, or to a place called Tarshish, which is not where he's called to go. What does he do? He buys the ticket to Tarshish, which is perhaps the furthest place you could go on a sailing ship in that day. And so he jumps on the ship, and he heads out, thinking he's running from God. What does God do? God sends a storm, and so the sailors on the boat 
recognize that Jonah is the problem. They toss him in the sea. God creates a great fish who comes and swallows Jonah. And for three days of Jonah's stubbornness, before he repents, he repents to God. And then the fish vomits him up on the shore. And then he goes to Nineveh. Because we know that even though you are disobedient and you try to outweigh God, God's will is still in effect for your life. And so he goes to Nineveh, he preaches these things, and this is where we find him. Verse 10 of chapter 3. And when God saw what they did, talking about the Ninevites' repentance, and the proof of their repentance is what he says next, how they turn from their evil way, because that is repentance. We're turning from the evil that we do. God relented to the, of the disaster that he had said he would do it to them. And he did not do it. And so when I look at this, I realize that here's Jonah. He's witnessed this response from the Ninevites. He's witnessed their repentance. And so he engages God in prayer. This is only the second time that Jonah prays in the book of Jonah. So he engages God in prayer. Then he withdraws outside of the city. And so we see this contrast, this this very deep and noticeable contrast between that of God's response to the Ninevites. God's response to Nineveh is the gospel. It's the same thing that God did in the life of Jonah when he is in the belly or the gut of the great fish. So we see God's response to Nineveh, and that is the gospel, and that is mercy. But here's Jonah's response to God's mercy, and that is that he's angry, right? He's angry. So we see that of the gospel and of religion, because what it is is that, you know, In the gospel, it's not that we get what we deserve. And so Jonah thinks that they should get what they deserve, and that is annihilation. They they deserve the wrath of God, but God gives them mercy. So we see God's response to the Ninevites and their sin, and we see Jonah's response to God's mercy in their life. I think what we do is we get this really clear picture of where Jonah is in his in the space of his mind and in the space of his heart as well, and how he is processing through all of this. And so what we realize is, as this will of God for Jonah's life was still intact, even though he tried to run from God, he preaches the shortest sermon ever known to man, perhaps, eight words in the English language, four words in the Hebrew. And can I tell you, just to begin with, don't ever expect that kind of short sermon here, right? It's not going to happen. And if you know me, you know that's not possible. All things are possible with God. I do agree. That's true. Yeah. And so this is post their fasting, post their repentance. And then God's response to the Ninevites is chapter 3, verse 10, that of mercy. But Jonah's response is chapter 4, verse 1, and that is anger. It's anger. I love this guy. I really do because I think you can connect with him, right? And and so is what he says in Jonah 4 and verse 1. He says that, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. So... It brings this thought to my mind, and I think it's a very um, proper thought to have for us about Jonah and his experience in the gut of the great fish. And that is, was Jonah's repentance experience in the gut of the great fish genuine? Was his experience with God genuine? Because as I read all these things and I see his response to this then I I begin to wonder, you know, did he really have this repentant experience with God? And where is all the change in Jonah's life that should have taken place? Because here's Jonah's response, that he's angry. This should be that moment where you grab the Gatorade cooler and you pour it over his head, right? He has Billy Graham this thing. This has been an amazing work of God. 
how God has used him. It, it has been truly a wonderful thing that Jonah would be booked if he lived today in every church conference he would. But how does he respond? He's angry. He's displeased. You say, Mark, give him a break because he recognizes the cruelty of the Ninevites. And so you have to give him, he's a little upset. I want to tell you, the words that are used here, he's more than a little upset. So I began to look at these words. Pleased, he is displeased exceedingly. It's the Hebrew word raw. It's an evil response is what it is. It's bad. It's worse than being displeased. It's levels above your displeasure is what it is. And then only, not only that, he says he's angry. And when I begin to look at that, it's a Hebrew word that seems to glow, to blaze hot is what it is. So here's Jonah. Jonah is on fire. He's furious. He's not just displeased. He's angry with God because God's showing the Ninevites mercy. And Jonah looked back at Nineveh's repentance and all he could see was their evilness and all he could see was himself. He said, but Mark, at least he's honest with God. And yes, I'm going to give that to Jonah. We're going to give Jonah one here for a moment. And yes, he is honest with God. Absolutely, and that's wonderful, and you can be the same as well. So I don't want to take that away from the text, but he's angry when God does the same thing for the Ninevites that he did for him in the gut of the great fish. So what's going on in Jonah's life? I mean, was Jonah's repentance experience in the gut of the great fish, was it real? Was it genuine? Because if I'm going to judge it by this behavior, then it makes me scratch my head and it makes me wonder what is actually happening and going on in his life. I want to I want to just kind of unpack that for the next minutes together and to understand what is happening in Jonah's life, because I think you're going to find some points of connection with him as well. So here's what Jonah does. Jonah hears God's word. He runs. God's arrested with a great fish. He comes out of the fish. He he goes to Nineveh. He does what God wants him to do. Well, Mark, what else do you want Jonah to do? He risked life and limb to go to this city. So what else do you want him to do? I mean, he followed through with what God said, but yet his heart is saying something different. So what I realize is this, that Jonah's behavior has conformed to the will of God. It has. Now, I know you didn't come this morning thinking that you were going to see great feats of strength, did you? You just saw one. Wasn't that amazing? Turn to the person next to you and say, he is so strong. Say that to Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. This is actually, this is actually aluminum. I got this on purpose, right? So I'd look good for you. And so, you know, his, 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 Behavior has molded to that of God's call upon his life. But here's something that I think we miss. That his heart is like that. That his heart is hard and his heart is cold. So is it possible in our life for us to come to a place of repentance with God And we go out and we do what God wants us to do. We conform to God's word for us, but yet our heart remains cold and our heart remains hard. Well, I want to tell you that it's not just here in the book of Jonah, just for the purpose of Jonah himself, but it's here for you and I. 
So it brings me back to that question. And it's our first talking point of two. Was Jonah's repentance experience in the gut of the great fish genuine? Was it genuine? Let's answer that in just a moment. Let me read more of chapter four, this time verse two. And he prayed to the Lord, second time praying to God in the entire book and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? It's like he's lecturing God. Have you ever lectured God? Well, he's giving God a lecture. That is why, this is like a gripe session, right? That is why I made haste to flee from Tarshish as if God didn't know. For I knew that you are a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. What a great theological expression of who God is, is what he's saying. What he's saying is, hey, the same thing you did for me in the gut of the great fish is the same thing that you did for these scoundrels, the Ninevites. I deserved it. They did not deserve it. And he goes on to say, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So when you look at the book of Jonah, it's divided into two parts. The first couple of chapters talks about the penalties of our disobedience. It talks about how there are penalties and consequences when we disobey God. Jonah, pack up your bags, go to Nineveh. Their sin has come before me, and I want you to preach to them. And Jonah says no, and he runs away. So what does God do? God, in his love, sends a storm. I say this to repeat what we said a few weeks ago. There is space in our life for storms. Understand that. There is purpose in our lives for storms. And what God does, he sends the storm into his life as he does ours sometimes. And you say, but Mark, how do I know that it is God sending a storm? If you look at the book of Jonah, go back and listen to parts one and two, then you will know God will reveal that to you. And you will know why and for what purpose that storm is in your life. So Jonah's thrown overboard. God has already created a great fish to come and to swallow him. God knows exactly where he is because God is omnipresent. He is everywhere simultaneously. God has this GPS system in this great fish, God's positioning system. So he knows where Jonah is to swallow him up. Three days, Jonah is stubborn inside the whale. It would take me about three minutes, right? And I would be done with the whale. Three days, and then he repents, and then he is resurrected, spit up on the shore. We see in this first part of the book of Jonah, the penalties for our disobedience. So how do you avoid discipline from God? How do you avoid that? We talked about this a few weeks ago, and then we said that it's a complete surrender, which leads to ultimate obedience within our lives. But then all of a sudden, we see this shift in the book of Jonah, and the book of Jonah is dealing with something different now, because it's gone from that of dealing with with that of the penalty for our disobedience to now the priorities of our heart. It starts with the penalties of disobedience, and it goes to the priorities of our hearts. This is a part about God that you need to understand. Because if you don't understand this about God, then I believe you have this half-baked understanding of who God is. And here's the thing you need to know about God. 
That God never stands back when you are disobedient. God never stands back with his arms crossed and just watches you continue to live in your disobedience. God steps in. God does something about that within your life. God intervenes in our disobedience with discipline. He sends a great fish in your life. But if we just stop there, then you have a very inaccurate view of who God is. Yes, God steps in with discipline in our life when we are disobedient to him. But understand and be clear about this. He does not discipline without purpose or plan. Realize that, that God does not just discipline you because you broke a command. God is disciplining you with purpose and plan. Realize that. That's a true picture of God. What is that plan according to the book of Jonah? To reprioritize your heart so that you will love the things that God loves and you will despise the things that God despises. That is what God does through his discipline in our life and the reprioritizing of our heart that you will know his will and his will is simply the things that he loves and the things that he despises and you line up with those things within your life. So that's what Jonah is teaching us. That he's been delivered from the gut of the great fish, but his heart, his heart is yet to turn to the direction of God's call for his life. So was his experience in the gut of the great fish, was it real? And I would say to you, my experience or my opinion is yes, absolutely. It was a real redemptive experience for Jonah, but it was not a complete experience. And I think that's what we learned from this today. And for some of you that are sitting in this great mound of guilt today, because you have repented to God and you've given this thing to God. And then on Monday morning, you find yourself there again, or you find yourself with those thoughts again, or you struggle on Wednesday with those things that you have repented to God about. And all of a sudden the devil comes into your life and he says, see there that it was never real to begin with because you've gone too far for God to do anything with you anymore in your life. And this is an encouragement because what this is saying is that God was not finished with Jonah yet. And I say to you today, God is not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you. That this is the journey that Jonah is on. Yes, that his outward actions are not matching up with what's going on inside of him right now. I, that's true. That's absolutely clear for you and I to understand. But what I realize, it's a journey and God is still working in his life. So I have a question for you. And it's the title of our teaching. What are you doing with what you discovered about yourself in the gut of the great fish? For the things that you've learned in those moments of discipline in your life, for those moments when there's been a storm in your life and you know it's the discipline from God for what is going on inside of you and you learn a lesson in those moments, then how have you taken that lesson, applied it to your heart for God to transform your heart? Because God is just not teaching you lessons. 
because he's a good teacher and you're the pupil. God is teaching you lessons in life through storms and through those moments so that you will change to be more like him. So what are you doing with those lessons? What are you doing with those moments in your life? How are you using those moments to transform your life? Because is the storm in your life, are those moments of discipline, those moments when God has your attention, are they terminating themselves there? Do they just end there? Or do they terminate themselves on an eight-word English language sermon? Is that where it ends? What are you doing with what you've learned? Because what I realize is that God always disciplines us with purpose. Then how are you responding to that? Well, Mark, I don't know what you want me to do, you know. I've done what God asked me to do. I, I, I've done that. Isn't that what this is about? And if that's what this is about for you, then what you have done is you have reduced your relationship with God to that of just checking off a bunch of boxes. And that's not a relationship at all. So it has to be more than just checking off the boxes. You say, but, you know, God asked me to forgive this person. So I call them up. I apologize. I told them that I love them, but I didn't tell them that I don't have to like them. Right. If you're living like that. Then that's what Jonah is dealing with today. That's exactly what it is. It's an exasperating and and. And it's absolutely tiring way to live in our lives. Because for some of us in our lives, there are these moments when our behavior, whoo, second feet of strength. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Turn to the person next to you and say, he did it again. Can you say that? Yes. It's, it's absolutely amazing. That your behavior doesn't match what's in your heart. Wow. I, I, I think that's, boy, that's something that we have to kind of sit in for a moment and really give it some thought. It is. You know, when I looked at the word anger, and I forgot to mention this first service, I got all excited about this, right? That, that word anger is also the word in Hebrew that they use for dry. You say, Mark, are you like geeking out on us? No, listen to me. That word anger that's used there in chapter 4, verse 1, is also the word that they use for dry. And they use it in context of a bow and arrow. And it, and it simply has the context that when the string of the bow has become so dried out that the least amount of pressure causes it to snap. Now that will preach for a moment. Because when your actions are not lining up with what is really inside of you in your heart. Then your actions are running off of your fuel, not God. Because out of a surrendered heart to God is the fuel for that of righteous living. So that that word dry means that at some point that fuel is going to run out and you're only going to be able to exhibit that righteous behavior so long 
And when the least amount of stress comes on the string, what does it do? It pops. And your heart shows. Maybe right now would be a good time to pray and leave, right? Yes, because you could think about that for a while. Because think about those moments in your life when that has happened to you. And you wonder why. Why, God? Why, why am I reacting this way, Lord? Because I, you know, I repented and, and I gave that to you. But I don't understand why I'm still dealing with my temper. I don't understand I'm dealing with anger in my life. Why, why am I doing that? Because your experience with God terminated at the gut of the fish and you didn't take what you learned in the gut of the fish and you applied it to your life daily and you asked God to crucify and to kill that anger in your life and those things in your life that you know are sinful every day of your life that you do that and you pray for God to transform your heart. Because here's Jonah. Jonah has, has failed to, he's failed to really grasp the heart of God in all of this. He, he's yet to reach the point where, where he's pleased with the will of God is, is what it is. Because surrender is more than just, surrender is more than just doing the right thing. Surrender is about the condition of your heart while you're doing the right thing. Verse 1 says, look, that, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. It's the way he feels. It's the way he feels while he's doing the right thing. It's the way he feels while he's preaching a sermon to the Ninevites. Yes, it, it's, it's the way he feels while he's giving the, uh, maybe the, one of the biggest altar calls ever given. It's how he's feeling in his heart while he's doing the right thing. Why? Because I think there's a depth to repentance that sometimes you and I just don't give it time to work within our lives. We just don't cut deals with God and say, God, I'm going to do this if you'll just relent from your wrath in my life and get me out of this fish. We don't just cut deals with God. No, we allow God to reshape our hearts is what do we do. We allow God to reshape our hearts in his image. Never rest in a point short of that. God wants us both to obey his instruction, but also share in his concerns. It's a change of heart that God wants within us. When I look at this text, what I realize is that Jonah has learned to share God's viewpoint of the Ninevites' sin. God hated their sin, God, and, and Jonah hated their sin. But what Jonah has not learned yet is he's not to learn to share in God's viewpoint on sinners. They see it completely different. It doesn't mean that God does not have wrath toward our sin. He does. Absolutely. Sure, he does. You say, Mark, you can't talk about God and talk about wrath anymore together. Well, I want to tell you, if you remove wrath from the conversation about God, then you got to remove the word mercy because without wrath, there's no need for mercy. Amen? This is true. But here's what God wants to do toward the Ninevites. He wants to give them as a sinful and wicked people. He wants to give them a life. He wants to give them a chance. He wants them to repent and escape his wrath. Yes, it's the way the gospel works because we don't receive what we deserve. And that's the way it worked in the Ninevites. God wants Jonah to share that desire of his heart. But he doesn't. 
because his actions are not fully righteous. And our actions are not fully righteous until our heart is right in them. Oh, and I, I thought about this. This is such an odd thing that, that you know, when the, when the story starts, so to speak, that the, the Ninevites are the big problem and their sin has come up before God. But the Ninevites have it now. They have, they have repented before God. So the problem is no longer the Ninevites. The problem is Jonah's cold heart. It's the problem was within him. Because actions, I think, apart from the attitude of heart, is always devoid of joy for the person that's doing those actions. That you can only do those things so long and run off of that fuel, as we said earlier, so long unless your heart is matching your actions. That kind of lifestyle drains all the joy from you, is what it does. You see, Mark, but that's what it says in Jonah. Does it say this anywhere else? Oh, sure it does. Let me read this to you. It's the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse, or 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you take that concept, that principle, and you place that over something maybe Different for you. Maybe it's loving other people. The most exasperating way to love other people is when you love them through compulsion and reluctancy. It it is. It is difficult to do that. You're doing the right thing, but there's no joy in it. Why is there no joy in you doing the right thing? Because your heart doesn't match your actions. And it is absolutely possible... For you to do the right things and your heart not be in the right place. That's the story of Jonah today. That's it. So what should I do? Well, here's what you should do. I think, first of all, I had to make this statement, then let me qualify it. So don't run with it all all of a sudden. Because I think if, if you just take what we said thus far, it seems to be almost like... You know, I I don't know how to correct this. Well, let me share this with you. That sometimes this journey does start with the right thing. It does. After repentance, it starts with the right thing. It starts with obedience. And your heart develops in that process as the Holy Spirit guides you. and, And through daily surrender of your life, it does. But let me caution you. Obedience can be the first step as long as the outward act isn't done hypocritically. That's Jonah's issue. He doesn't see his own heart. He doesn't see the brokenness of his own heart. That when you are pretending that there is a righteousness in your heart that's not there yet, then that's when all of this becomes wrong and detrimental to you. How do I fight against that? You confess to the Lord daily that there's a lack in your heart in this area. And we realize that as you do that, you lean into God and God transforms your heart. God, I'm trying to love this person, but God, they're so difficult to love. And to be honest with you, God, I don't have that in my heart right now, but I know what you call me to do and I want to be obedient. So God, in the middle of my obedience and my lack, Lord, transform my heart. Transform me, God. You see, Jonah's issue is that he's doing the work of God and he's doing the right thing, 
But he's still projecting this image of everything is okay within his own heart. I love this about our relationship with God, that you can be totally transparent and honest with God in where you are in your own heart because God already knows. So that about loving others, maybe is not the issue for you at all. Maybe there's something else in your life. Maybe some sin that you're harboring, some stronghold in your life, and you find yourself back in that same boat, back in that gut of that same fish next week sometime. And you say, God, I'm going to do the right thing because, God, I know you call me to do this. But that always has to go with the caveat. But God, let this be part of my journey to transform my heart. Because God, if this is not transforming my heart, then this is just behavioral modification. And my heart is still cold and my heart is still hard. You can do a lot of things in your life. You can make a lot of behavioral transformations. Man, you can... You can say things like, you know, boy, I, I gave up, I gave up cussing. And man, I sure miss it though. But you know, I, I gave it up, and 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 so God, I'm going to work really hard to not say those words again. And without the caveat of of God saying to you that, uh, are you saying to God, God, I know that space in my heart is not there yet. But there's anger there, Lord. But I know you're going to work on my heart to change me and transform me. You see, this is one of these sermons that you got to sit in for a moment. Because I think it points out something to us that we don't always see. Because it's very difficult for us to see the brokenness of our own hearts while we're doing the things that God called us to do because it seems like that that is the ultimate goal when the ultimate goal of God for us is our hearts is to change and transform our hearts because it brings us to this last thought that God is interested in your heart first God is interested in your heart first. Look what he says to Jonah in Jonah 4 and verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Oh, it's, a, it's a question. Why does God, have you ever wondered why God asked, quest, asked questions in scripture when God knows everything? Have you ever wondered? Is it just to irritate us? No. No, I think there's something very much deeper there. And I think that it's about that of it's a revealing of our heart It's for you and I to see who we are down deep inside our own life. Listen, realize this, that God did not redeem Jonah for him to just be obedient. God did not redeem you in the moment that you came to Christ initially and you confessed your sins to him and you had a redemptive experience with God. God did not redeem you for you to just be obedient to him. God redeemed you so he could transform your heart. So Jonah goes to Nineveh. He does what God tells him to do. 
He preaches a message. They fast and re- repent. But God, but Mark, at least he was honest. Yeah, we give him that. Yes, at least he was honest with God. And that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. But that doesn't, doesn't mean that his anger toward God was justified. So how many of you in the room, don't raise your hand, are angry with God? I often thought, and I thought about that, and then the Lord told me, don't do that. But I thought about saying, okay, raise your hand in your room if you're angry with God. And some of you say, well, maybe I would be afraid of lightning or something like that, right? Or, or something would, would happen to me. I think it's, it's a hard thing for us to talk about at times. Jonah kind of brings it out in the open for us. He really does. Because he's, he's angry at God for God's relenting of his wrath upon Nineveh. And he asks him the question, do you do well to be angry? And I thought, when God asks us a question, then we owe God an answer. Because I found through scripture, there's a lot of places where God asks us questions. Can I give you a few? Genesis chapter 3. God says, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? What is this you have done? He's talking to Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 4, where's your brother Abel? He's talking about, he's talking to Cain. What have you done? God asked him, 2 Samuel 13, what have you done? He says to Samuel to ask Saul on his behalf. 2 Samuel 12, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? He's sending David or Nathan to talk to David. Isaiah chapter 6, whom shall I send? Where shall I go? Matthew 16, who do you say that I am? Jesus speaks to his disciples and Peter answers him. I think we have to look at this for a moment. That if you're angry with God, then you have to ask the, answer the question. You have to answer the question that has been asked you. And that is, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Because when I look at this, what I realize is that God never condemns Jonah for his honesty. That's, that's not here at all. No, it's not. But what God is doing. God is not. Or what God is not doing. God's not hurt. God's feelings have not been hurt. He's not offended. God is asking Jonah this to reveal his heart. To reveal his heart. What is our answer? No, Lord. No, Lord. All your ways are right, even if I don't understand them, God. All your ways are right. It's an amazing book about God and his relentless love for you and I. Verse 5 is where we end. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. You see, here's what Jonah does. Jonah sees his sin and the sin of the Ninevites in two different categories altogether. He does. Because the sin of the Ninevites, they're idolaters, they're adulterers, they're 
they're cruel. They commit heinous crimes against women and children. Unspeakable things they do. And so he sort of infers to God, God, I've never done those things. But what did Jonah do? What Jonah did was he said no directly to God. Yeah. Well, Mark, come on. You know, that's, that's no big deal, right? I mean, he just said no to God. But I mean, you put that against the Ninevites and all the things. They would skin people alive and bury them in the desert and pull their tongue out and put a stake in their tongue. And then, and then sit around and watch them die of thirst. I mean, these are the kinds of people. So, you know, if, if there's a scale, then those are bigger sins. And, and all Jonah said was no to God. To understand the gravity of Jonah's sin, you have to go back to my favorite book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. When God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, everything is yours except that one tree. Don't eat from that tree. It's not because the fruit was bad. It was God's command. What did Adam and Eve do? They said no to God. So what is the result of Adam and Eve's sin? The result of their sin is where you and I live today. It is. It's the in-between, between that of our redemption experience and that of Christ coming to make everything right. It's the broken world that we live in. It's the evil that we see in the world. The result of saying no to God directly. So never underestimate your nose to God. Because the power of that sin has never changed. Do you see that? You see, that's the lesson that was taught to Jonah in the gut of the great fish. Yet he failed to apply that to his life after his escape. And so his heart never transformed. So how's your heart? Well... I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. Do you know what that looks like for some of you? If it's like checking the boxes, then for some of you today, that you have this container of boxes in front of you and you're picking the things that you want to do, right? You pick this out and this one says, love my enemy. Oh, I don't want that one. I won't put that one back. That's a little difficult. Let me dig further down in there, right? And find another one. Oh, that one sounds good to me. That's the one that I want. Because when you're, you see, when your heart is not transformed and when God is not transforming and remaking your heart in his image, that's the way you're going to live your spiritual life. That's it. 
So growing up, that, and, and I'll tell a, an old man story. <laughs> okay, yeah. That growing up in cereal boxes, there was always a prize. Do you remember those things? Yeah. The cereal in there tastes no different than the cardboard on the box, right? Absolutely, there's no difference. You bought it for what? The toy, the prize. Yeah. Brilliant marketing thing, right? Brilliant. Yeah. Thus, they over-sugared America for years for that stuff, correct? Because of the prize. And you reach in that and you dig down deep inside. You dig in there all the way. Your hands are all the way in there, right? And, and you find it. And, and after that, you're really done with the cereal because you got the prize. You got it out. You know, you find what you want. And I think some of you have been digging around your spiritual life for a while. And you pull out that thing and say, okay, God, I'm going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Nineveh. Okay, Lord. And I'm going to do this thing for you. All right? But, but after that, you know, I'm good. And... and and what I realize is that that's the way a heart responds that it hasn't been transformed. But a transformed heart says to God, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you call me to, God, whatever's in the box, God, that's what I'll do. Because it's not about me checking off a box with you. This is about a love relationship that I have with you. So change my heart. God, change my heart. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you this morning. Because all of a sudden your eyes have shifted from all the good things that you're doing or the bad things you're not doing to your heart and you see that God has work to do there surrender that to him this morning so can I pray with you for a moment take a posture of prayer however that is for you today and let me pray for you and pray with you so God here we are as your children you know us, God. No need for pretense in this room. Nothing. You know us well. And so, Father, past our good deeds, past doing the things that we know to do, how is our heart? How is our heart, God? Because, God, for some of us, Doing those good things is exasperating and doing those things are tiring because we're running off of our own fuel and not the fuel of a transformed heart. So God, change us. God, whether we've followed you for three days or whether we've followed you for 30 years, God, change us. Lord, just because we no longer do something in life just because, Lord, that we're no longer yielding 
to that sin, God doesn't mean that our heart has been transformed the way that you want to transform us. So God, we give it to you. We surrender every area and every place. God, we stop picking the things that we want to follow you in and the things that we don't. And we surrender ourselves completely to you. So Father, take our hearts, mold them into your image so that we are more like you. And our hearts become the fuel for our lives. Father, for those that are just making a decision for you today, God. They hear about your loving kindness and your mercy and your goodness toward people that don't deserve it. God, may they realize that this is the beginning of a journey for them. As they come to you and confess their sins and to realize that they're a sinner, God, forgive them. Come into their life. Thank you, Father, that you are able to change any of us in this room. Mold our hearts, Lord, as we give them to you today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's teaching. We hope you have a great week. 